What's up, guys? And welcome to another episode of Bleeding BNG. So this is episode four, and like I was telling you guys in episode three, we're going to be doing our mock off season um, episode today. But first, we have some news and notes we have to get to. Uh, it was a busy week for the Washington football team. Um, this was the Super Bowl Sunday week, so this is usually, you know, when the week when, you know, news starts, you know, leaking out about the new league year that's set to start on March 17th, I believe. So we had a lot of news and notes about the Washington football team come out this past week, especially regarding the quarterback position. So I'm going to go ahead and run over a couple of those before we get into our mock offseason. So the first note and probably the biggest anecdote, um, of the week for the Washington football team is that quarterback Taylor Heineke re-signed for a two-year extension that will can, that can be worth up to $8.75 million. So um, congrats to Taylor Heineke. You guys know how I felt about him coming from episode one. I believe that he at least earned a roster spot for next season, and I guess the coaches, you know, validated my belief. Um, simply, you know, that story of Taylor Heineke is just simply a guy that, you know, grasped, grasped his opportunity um, and took it, you know, he's living the American dream, you know, three, three months ago, he was preparing for calculus finals and now he's getting paid $4 million a year to compete for NFL, um, quarterback position. And that's simply based off his one game performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs, guys. If we look at it, you know, Taylor Heineke performed well against, you know, one of the most dominant defenses in recent time, um, being that, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers held the Kansas City Chiefs to just straight field goals in the 31-9 route in the Super Bowl. So, you know, um, Taylor Heineke doing that, balling out, earned himself a contract. So, salute to you, Taylor Heineke, and I can do nothing but clap it up. So to our next news and note, um, and it's actually some news that came out on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, it was a report from Albert Breer from the NFL Network that said that Washington has called um, the Las Vegas Raiders about Derek Carr, um, inquiring, you know, about, you know, a trade package or what it would take to trade for quarterback Derek Carr. Um, Derek Carr threw for 4,100 yards last season and 27 touchdowns. And while I do like Derek Carr as a quarterback, and he's better, he's far better than anything that we've seen over the last couple of years um, since, you know, Alex Smith's initial leg injury. I don't think um, if we did trade for him, I wouldn't want to, you know, trade the foreign because I don't think that Derek, Derek Carr is a needle mover. Um, while he is a great quarterback, he seems, you know, fall off um, at the second half of seasons. He seems to have a consistent pattern of doing that. Um, and he's out here, he's out there in California um, when he was playing with Oakland, and now he's in Vegas in a dome stadium. So imagine when he's out here playing in the East Coast in a stadium like FedEx Field where, you know, he has to weather the elements in the second half of the season. That doesn't really bode well for somebody who already has shown signs of slowing down throughout second halves of the season. Um, so like I said, while I do like Derek, car um, I wouldn't be too crazy about the move especially um, some of the trade packages that I heard um, in the news articles and um, anecdotes surrounding the news um, I was hearing that Washington uh, that the Raiders are looking to get at least like two first round picks and maybe a player um, getting towards that Deshaun Watson trade package hypothetical trade package um, deal and Derek Carr is not that guy 
Um, he's nowhere near the talent level of Deshaun Watson. Um, while he has had some, you know, pretty good seasons in the past, I don't like I said, I don't think he's a needle mover. He does, he isn't somebody that takes you from you know Washington football team. You know, we lost in the in the Super Wild Card weekend of the playoffs. But if you're gonna if you're gonna trade the farm for a quarterback like that, you need a needle mover. He needs to be somebody that takes you from you know competing in the Wild Card weekend of the playoffs to automatically being Super Bowl contenders. And I don't I don't think Derek Carr is that guy so while i wouldn't wouldn't be wouldn't hate a trade for Derek carr especially you know considering the quarterback play that we've had over recent time i just hope that we wouldn't have to you know trade the farm for him or give up a defensive player um some of the scenarios or the hypothetical scenarios that we've been talking about with deshaun watson i just hope that that does not happen and speaking of deshaun watson while i did say it was a busy news week for the washington football team we didn't really hear any connected stories about Deshaun Watson um, to, you know, Washington since my last podcast episode. Um, it's been pretty quiet on the Washington front, and it's actually honestly been pretty uh, quiet on the Houston, Texas front as well. Um, it seems that, you know, the ownership in the front office um, in Houston is claiming their stake in the ground and, you know, holding firm on their stance of not trading Deshaun. Um, the trade whirlwinds has kind of slowed down. Um you know, in recent time, but that doesn't mean that a trade isn't happening. It doesn't mean, you know, people in the league offices aren't working behind the scenes. It's just that we haven't heard much, you know, Deshaun Watson news lately, especially um, related to the Washington football team. Um, so my next point of view, um, or my next point is actually another report. Uh, like I told you guys, you know, Washington football team was in the news a lot this week. Um, so one thing's obvious is that we're looking for a quarterback. That's one thing um, that is evident from all these news um, anecdotes that I'm giving you guys over this time, and you know the news that broke over the week is that we're 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 clearly in the market for a quarterback. Um, if that wasn't clear, you know, a week ago, it was clear um, over the course of this past week. So another anecdote that came out over the course of you know Super Bowl Sunday was that Ian Rappaport from the NFL Network said that Washington called about both maps math. Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff prior to the Detroit Lions and the Los Angeles Rams trade. And that was kind of shocking to me because, you know, we both, we everybody in the Washington football team community saw Josina's Anderson's report, you know, saying that, you know, Washington football was right there in the running um, for, you know, Matthew Stafford um, before, you know, Los Angeles Rams just, you know, threw the farm at uh, the Detroit Lions. But nobody ever reported on, you know, them being interested in Jared Goff as well. And I'm kind of glad that didn't happen um, because, you know, Jared Goff has one of the worst contracts in the NFL. Um, he, he hasn't even get, gotten paid into his an extension yet. That extension kicks in um, this season coming up. And that's one of the reasons why the Rams had to give so much to get his contract off the books. So just think about you know what we would have had to take in you know killing the cal uh, killing the salary cap that we already have and you know we've been set up beautifully placing in the top five in calorie um in salary cap room and i'll get um more into that as we get um into our mock off season but you know bringing in jerry goff would have just messed it messed up a lot of things um i just jerry goff is another guy i just don't think is is that guy um, under a whiz, uh, offensive wizard like Sean McVay, he regressed every season. Um, he regressed every season um, except, you know, from year one to year two in that system. But since, you know, the 2018 season where they got made it to the Super Bowl, he has been a shell of himself. And he's young. You know, he's somebody that just finished his rookie contract. Now he's moving on to his extension into his second contract. And for somebody to be regressing this early into his career, that's, that's scary. And that doesn't bode well for his future. So I'm glad that Washington, you know, 
held the brakes on that trade, you know, with Jared Goff. Um, and while I was disappointed with, you know, not getting Matthew Stafford, because I do think he's a baller, and at his top level, he's a top 10 quarterback at his top level, and he doesn't play at his top level on a consistent basis, but Matthew uh, Stafford is an exceptional talent. And while I was upset that that trade didn't happen, um, I kind of, you know, was relieved that we didn't give up the farm for Matthew Stafford, because while I do believe he's a needle mover, he's kind of up there in age. So, you know, trading the farm for, you know, a short history is, I mean, or short future or short window isn't something that necessarily great franchises do um i know we see the los angeles rams doing it right now but you know they haven't really necessarily won anything um so that's something that you know selling selling a farm for a short window isn't something that great organizations do and i think that's um what we're aligning ourselves to be is a great organization um so we need to start taking those steps as um we have been doing um so the last anecdote that came out about quarterbacks is that you know washington called the new york jets about sam darnold as well and i'm hearing league reports talking about sam donald may go about may go for a first round pick um and i hope that washington does not get into that business if it does require us giving us giving up a first round pick first while he is young and he has shown talent sam donald has a great arm he has a strong arm he, he's been injured. He's only 23. He's, he's been injured. He's had an injury-riddled career. And he's he's had two seasons where he hasn't cracked a 3,000-yard mark. So I think the best-case scenario for a Washington football team front office, you know, to come up with a trade package for Sam Donald would be maybe package, you know, two second-rounders, maybe this season second-round, this year second-rounder, and next year second-rounder for Sam. But, I, but he's another guy that I wouldn't want to sell the um, farm for. But while I do believe, you know, he can be – he's like a – reclamation project and he can be redeemed because he does have the talent and I thought he was a baller coming out of USC he hasn't shown enough to me yet you know sell the farm for this guy it's a reason why the Jets are trying to get him off his hands Um, and while I do like Sam Darnold and while I do think that that organization has somewhat ruined him like the Jets do a lot of people and a lot of quarterbacks I, I don't think that he's he hasn't shown that, you know, he should be a guy that you're selling first-round picks for. Um, Tam Donald is a guy that went in the first round, and he hasn't done anything to elevate his status, you know. If anything, his status has gone down. That's why I don't think that it should be necessary that we give up a whole bunch of, you know, well, just first-round picks. Um, I can see us packaging a couple of seconds for Sam, but honestly, I wouldn't do anything higher than that. And I want you guys to let me know how you feel about it um, as well. You know, you can leave a comment in the comment sections on YouTube, you can leave feedback on the um, Apple Podcast section or the Spotify section as well, um, or you can leave your comments on my Twitter and Instagram page. You know we're interacting on there daily, every day, twenty four seven. So you know you can reach out and tell me how you guys feel about these potential quarterbacks joining the Washington Football Team. You know which one is your favorite, which one is your least favorite out of the ones that we just went over. But now it's time to get into the mock off season. So the mock off season is just where me as Jalen, you know, I'm the GM. Like I told you guys at the end of episode three, Jalen will be playing the GM for the Washington football team for the upcoming 2021 season. So I'm just going to be telling you guys um, a couple of moves that I will make as far as, you know, re-signing people, signing people. Maybe if we got, we have a trade, you know, in the off season every now and then, um, as far as, you know, who I will draft and things like that, who I won't bring back from the Washington football team in the 2020 season and things like that. So basically, I'm in control and I'm the general manager. 
so for this um for this mock offseason setup, first I had to look and see, you know, where we stand as far as cap space. And after the Taylor Heineke signing, we should we're projected to have around forty mil, million in cap space for the two thousand twenty um twenty one season, and that places us top five in the NFL. Um, so we have a lot of cap space to work with, even though, you know, um, the cap space actually dwindled down because of the coronavirus pandemic. Um, going from a projected like 190 million to around 180, um, 181 million. But that still places us in the top five, putting us in a great position. So we don't necessarily have to spend, you know, all our cap space money. But here are some of the moves that I would make if I was the GM as the, uh, of the Washington football team for the 2021 um, season. So first, I'm going to go into the um, people that we will resign. The reason that I'm going to start with the people that we will resign is actually, actually, I do want to backtrack. So before we go into the people we will resign, the first thing that I actually want to do is get Alex Smith off our books. I love Alex Smith. Um, he's a warrior. Um, everything that he's done over the last two years is simply amazing. I believe that one of the reasons that the Washington football team actually did make the playoffs because they rallied around him. Um, they were able to see him prepare. Um, they got, they, they were galvanized by, you know, his, his comeback story. Um, you know, he, he came, uh, he came back. Um, he proved a lot of doubters wrong. A lot of people, including myself, didn't think that he would come back and ever play again. And to go five and one as a starter throughout this season is simply amazing. But I do think that the time is up. Um, even Alex, um, in his exit interview said that the bone bruised, um, that it was affecting him after the Arizona Cardinal game, um, that limited him in the Philadelphia Eagle game as well was a little more serious than a bone bruise. Nothing ever came out about that. Um, he explained that in his East, um, 60 minutes interview. Um, and nothing, no other further details have really necessarily come out about that. And I know um, people like John Kahn and J.P. Finley have said Alex hasn't made a decision, but we simply can't wait. You know, the new league year starts in a little over a month. And um, my first move would get Alex Smith off the books. If we have to cut him, I would be sad, um, but that's the business of football. So hopefully, you know, um, he did mention in his exit interview, you know, talking over it with his wife to make a final decision. He didn't really know if he wanted to come back or play or not. So hopefully, you know, he can ride off into the sunset, retire as a Washington football team player. And, you know, we can admire him for everything he gave us throughout, you know, his tenure as a Washington football team member um, because Alex Smith has gave us a lot, not only just in the football aspect, but, you know, taking a lot out of his life as well. Um, so speaking of Alex Smith, I do want to um, really tap into this real quick before we get into our mock offseason. I do want to congratulate Chase Young and Alex Smith, Chase Young for winning the AP Defensive Rookie of the Year. Um, he looked amazing um, in his speech um, on NFL Honors. Um, really quick. <laughs> Did you guys see him in a double breast in a double breast blazer with, with his dress tied up? You look good, young man. You look good, young man. Um, you know, he thanked his teammates. Um, it was a really great speech. Um, really humble guy. Um, showed that, you know, he showed why, you know, He's a leader at this young age, and you, why um, an NFL football team is actually following him um, as you know one of their leaders and one of their captains at only a, uh, the young age of uh, 21, 22 at the most. Um, so you know he showed a lot of those characteristics in his speech. And then I do want to congratulate Alex Smith as well. Um, he was the runaway, runaway comeback player of the year award, earning 39 of the 40 votes from the AP. So I do want to congratulate those two gentlemen um, for their hard work. Those two um, gentlemen are key contributors and key um, factors into why we actually made the playoffs and why we started to turn our fortunes around um, mid-season. And I do just want to take the time out um, to congratulate those guys because I will be remiss if I didn't. 
So going back to the mock offseason, like I said, we have around $40 million after the signing of Taylor Heineke to play with. Um, and the first thing I want to do is go over the guys that I would resign or my preferential resignees. Um, and the reason that I want to start off with that is because in his um, – and actually, and Martin Herney, uh, Marty Herney, and Martin Mayhew's um, intro, uh, interact, introductory press conference, Ron Rivera said one of the priorities after you know getting the quarterback situation solved is actually taking care of our own. He actually put an emphasis on that. He even mentioned mentioned it in his radio and um, interviews that he did after the press conference that taking care of our own is a priority. So that's why I want to lead with you know the players that I will actually bring back as Washington football team members. So the first three are actually under, um, unrestricted free agents. So, you know, they hit the free agent market. Um, we don't have any, you know, we don't have any claims to their rights um, as of right now. Um, so the first player that I do want to talk about is um, Brandon Sheriff, who actually was selected first team all pro, which I'm sure is going to raise, you know, his number in the market. If not dramatically, maybe just a smidge. Um, but I projected that we signed Brandon Sheriff to a four-year, $64 million contract. So, you know, that gives him something around, you know, $18 million a year um and that's that's about top of the market value um we even heard uh if you guys listen to tim settle in the the 106 interview that he had on b mitch's and jp finley's new show he said bar none he thinks that brandon sheriff is the best guard in the nfl so you know <laughs> you got to pay him top of the line best guard in the nfl money um and i think you know 18 million dollars a year um does that um, and I gave him a four-year contract because Brandon Scherf, um, shockingly, he's only been with us um, since 2015, but he's already over on the on the wrong side of 30. So I gave him a four-year contract because you know offensive linemen should should be able to at least last till about 34. Um, you know they're not as dynamic athletes moving as much. Um, so we've seen uh, a lot of offensive linemen have really long careers, and um, I think that you know he should be able to play out that four-year, 64 million dollar contract at a relatively high level maybe some fall off towards um they you know year four where he's at his age 34 season but um brandon sheriff was simply a stud this season when he was healthy um like i said earning first team all pro honor so he's he's earned he's earned the contract um last season you know he played on the franchise tag and um as i as i mentioned in a previous episode his you know he had a change of tune um when asked about you know potentially re-signing with the washington football team members so you know taking care of our own brandon sheriff would be at the top of that list my next um, player that I actually would like to bring back is actually Ronald Darby. So we're actually shooting this episode on January 11th, Thursday, January, I mean Thursday, February 11th, excuse me, 2021. And in an interview that he did with Grant and Daddy yesterday, Ronald Darby said that he hopes and he prays that he ends up back home as a Washington football team member. So um, a lot of you guys may know that Ronald Darby's from Oxen Hill, Maryland. Um, he played at Potomac High School before going to Florida State. So he's a hometown kid. And Ronald Darby, um, as you guys know, um, if you paid attention to my defensive outlook episode, I, I'm, I'm, I'm standing on the hill for Ronald Darby. He, he gave you a prove-it deal last year, a bargain, you know, one-year deal, and he proved it, you know, top three in the league and, and uh, pass deflections, you know, with 16. And he just seemed to always be in the right spot. Now, he didn't catch a lot of interceptions, but he also didn't have a lot of passes caught on him either. I think that Ronald Darby um, – 
honestly, if we're being honest, Kendall, Kendall Fuller, he started off, you know, guns are blazing with his hair on fire, getting like four interceptions in his first four games. But over the back half of the season, Kendall Fuller, I mean, Ronald Darby was the best corner on the football team. Ronald, Ronald Darby was the better corner of the two. So I know we may look at Ronald Darby as our CB2, but if we look at maybe like post week eight, Ronald Darby was the best corner on the football team. So we need to pay him accordingly. And he is um, one of the top cornerbacks on the market. If you guys listen to episode three, I mentioned, you know, it's Shaquille Griffin. Patrick Peterson, who's pretty much washed, and the Arizona Cardinals said they're not bringing back. And Ronald Darby are the top DB, are the top cornerbacks on the market. So you know, you basically pick your flavor with one of those, and you know, you know, either either one, either, one through three, you know. Either way you put it, Ronald Darby is going to be one of the top three cornerbacks on the market. So we need to pay him accordingly. So I think that, you know, a three-year, 33 to $34 million deal gets it done. That puts him, you know, around 11 to $11.5 million a year, um, which is, you know, primetime CB2 money. But he earned it. I believe that, you know, if we consider him um, a CB2 based off last year, he's one of the best um, cornerbacks cb2s in the league you know not many cb2s are going to be leading the league in um, pass deflections or be in the top three in the league in pass deflections. so ronald darby really outplayed his contract and i earned, i believe that he earned um the deal um that i'm giving him a three-year 33 million dollar deal my last unrestricted free agent that i just need to bring back um and i really wouldn't care about it is kpl now kpl doesn't necessarily need to be brought back as a starter because i mentioned you know i didn't like kpl's run defense at times last season but i would like him like to him to be back be brought back at the very least is as death um kpp kpl is a freak athlete you know he's somebody that can run with the wind at the linebacker position which allows him to play special teams um which allows him you know fill those depth roles um so kpl is somebody i think that we can sign to a three-year uh 10 million dollar deal you know bringing in a little over three million dollars a year um and then um i would also bring back cam sims and Kyle Allen um, as exclusive rights free agents. So that means that we have, you know, partial rights to their free agents. But, you know, if any other team wants to match our tenders um, that we place on these guys, um, they can. Um, but we would get that, you know, the pick um, of the tender that is placed on those guys. So for Cam Sims, I would place a fourth-round tender on Cam Sims. And for Kyle Allen, I would place a second-round tender on him. So that would essentially bring back both Taylor Heineke and Kyle Allen into our quarterback room. And then that leads on to what I would be doing um, as far as you know, our quarterback competition and what we'll be looking at for the quarterback um, for the, at the quarterback position throughout the 2021 offseason, and I'll get um, more into into that um, in depth with that as we look into the draft. So as you guys see, as far as guys that I'm re-signing, some of the names that I won't be bringing back or that I don't project to be Washington football team members in 2021 are Ryan Kerrigan, um, Dustin Hopkins. Um, I believe Dustin Hopkins had a pretty good run here, uh, but you know it's time to pull the plug on that experiment, especially after he struggled in a lot of games this season. Um, Ryan Anderson, um, who barely played um, this past season, and if we look back on the career of Ryan Anderson, he was such a waste of a second-round pick. You know, he was brought in with Jonathan Allen, so we bought in that Alabama hype. You know, ooh, we got these Alabama boys. They're coming right off, you know, competing for national championships. But um, Ryan Anderson's flames seemed to fizzle out pretty fast um he was pretty good in the 2019 season but he 
he couldn't even really crack the rotation in 2020, um, ultimately having a you know injury riddle um, season that um, was cut short um, he, when he was placed on injured reserve um, prior to the end of the season. And um, lastly, this one pains me, but I really don't see a scenario where we bring back Fabian Moreau, especially if we bring back Ronald Darby. Um, Fabian Moreau was in and out of the rotation, um, losing his spot to Jimmy Moreland. Um, at the beginning of the season, then, you know, at the end, he was playing in some three safety looks, um, which, you know, demonstrated, um, Fabian's versatility, um, which may be one of the reasons why Washington may be looking to bring him back on like a low end deal. But I think that Fabian would like to test the market as well. Um, so those are the guys that were watching the football team members in 2020 that I would look to potentially re-signing as far as big free agent signings or free agent signings that I would look to potentially bring in. There aren't many, but we are looking to break the bank with the ones that we do sign. Um, first, that is Allen Robinson, um, wide receiver from the Chicago Bears. He will be entering his age 28 season. Um, and I mentioned him in episode two. So he's coming off a 100-catch, 1,000-plus-yard um, season with a terrible quarterback play from the Chicago Bears. And Allen Robinson, I think we can sign him for a five-year, $90 million deal. A five-year, $90 million deal. So that's around $18 million a year as well. Um, and I think that's um, that's right around, you know, what I'm hearing that he's looking for. Um, and, you know, bringing in somebody like Allen Robinson, you know, he can compete with Terry for that, you know, wide receiver one position. You know, he's one of the few guys that are that is in free agency that can actually, you know, give Terry a run for his money as the wide receiver one. Um, not saying that he's going to overtake Terry by any means, but he definitely has the talent and, you know, the status in the league to, you know, compete um, and, you know, compete for that dominant receiver on the team position. And, you know, the more weapons, the better. And then another guy that I potentially look to be bringing in, and this one's on a bargain deal, actually, and that's Malik Hooker. Um, and the, he would be on a discounted deal because, as I mentioned in Episode 3, he'll be coming off two significant leg injuries or lower body injuries um, while playing on his rookie um, contract with the Colts. So, um, but like I said, when he did play, uh, he passed a lot of the range, the freaky sideline to sideline range that he displayed time in and time out at Ohio State. If you guys can remember at Ohio State, Malik Hooker was catching picks almost every weekend, one hand picks, you know, and he's, he has nice size, you know, 6'2", 210, and he made those plays with the Colts when he was healthy. Like I said in episode three, he just was never healthy, and this is why I think that we can bring him in for a bargain deal somewhere around, you know, two years, $10 million, which is, you know, another prove-it deal, um, but, you know, he's getting enough money to solidify um, or validate what he once was or what he what he is, when he what he's capable of when he's healthy. Um, so this is a reason why I think he can potentially sign that deal um, and be interested in, you know, coming into Washington and playing behind those studs on the front seven. So that would, that's basically what I'll do um, for the mock offseason. I may potentially look into a trade for Shaq Thompson, um, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of hesitant on that. Um, and the reason why is because before I actually did this mock draft simulator on the draft network, um, I was thinking that, you know, um, there's there's not a strong class this season um, or this draft season for, you know, 4-3 stand-up linebackers, whether that be the Mike, the Will, or the Sam position. But I was able to draft one um, with throughout the mock draft simulator, and I believe that that mock draft simulator is pretty realistic um, based off, you know, where players will land and things like that. Um, so uh, if I am able, you know, to draft this player, 
um, that I'll mention um, as we move throughout our draft list. I would hold off on a Shaq Thompson trade, um, but because because you know we were able to get the one one of the few um, stand up linebackers in the draft um, because there are a few. I know I mentioned two in episode three, um, but other than that, you know the cover runs pretty bare. Um, the two that I mentioned in episode three were Zayvon Collins and Jeremiah uh, Owusu Koromora. Um, but after those two, um, as far as first round picks, the cover runs pretty bare. Um, but let's get to this draft. Let's get to this draft. So the first thing that I would do with the draft, and I actually saw this uh, mock uh, draft package um, or this trade package um, in the mock draft for the Athletic. I think it was um, proposed by Dane Bugler, if, if I'm getting his name correctly. And Washington would trade up from the 19th pick with the Detroit Lions to pick seven, and they would draft North, North Dakota State quarterback Trey Lance. Trey Lance is 6'3", 225 pounds. He had a one-game season this past season where he didn't really perform to the best of his abilities, but he did have over 200 rushing yards in that game. So that shows you that Trey Lance is a dual-threat um, athlete. He's an athlete. He's a specimen at the um, at the at the uh, quarterback position, you know, coming from North Dakota State, even playing at the FCS um even, even playing at the FCS level, um, Trey Lance is somebody who had 29 touchdowns to zero interceptions. He threw zero interceptions in 2019. So that shows you that the precision and the accuracy is there when it's worked on and, you know, when he's playing and when he's familiar with, um, you know, the offensive sets and the offensive schemes and playbooks. So that's what I would do with our first-round pick. So the trade package that was proposed for Trey Lance is that we would swap picks. So we would swap our 19th pick with the Detroit Lions for their 17th pick, and then we would also give up this year's third round pick our third round pick which was the 82nd pick in the draft but i need you guys to remember that we also acquired the san francisco 49ers third round pick in the trent williams trade last year which actually is a tad bit better that's actually the 76th pick in the draft so um so in the trade package it'll be a pick swap of the 2021 first round pick um, we'll give them the 2021 third round pick, the 82nd pick, and we'll also give them a 2022 first round pick. So we won't have a, a first round pick um, next year um, in this potential trade package. But we do find, you know, potentially our franchise quarterback in Trey Lance. And I believe that, you know, Trey Lance can uh, – I believe he's a future superstar. But in year one, he's somebody that can come in and compete with Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke because I did mention bringing both of them back. Um, for that, you know, position. And I believe that if he doesn't win out outright, which I would expect him to be because I think that he's that good, um, he'll just sit down, um, sit down that one year or however long it takes him in that first season and just learn behind these guys. And I think that Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke are good guys to learn from. Um, both of these guys have shown that they can grasp, you know, the opportunity when it's present. Taylor Heineke in the Tampa Bay game, as I mentioned. But Kyle Allen did it as well when, he, you know, he took over for Cam. And I think he won, like, his first four or five games when Cam Newton was hurt in the 2019 season. So both of these guys shown that, you know, they can get ready for the moment. Something that you need from a veteran quarterback, especially when you have, you know, rookie quarterbacks looking after them and, you know, looking to be guided by them. Um, so that's what I would do with our first round pick. So that leaves us with our, uh, we still have our second round pick and that would be the first 51st pick in the draft. And I would select Richie Grant safety 
out of the University of Central Florida. Um, he's around six feet, 200 pounds, and I love him. Um, he's a senior bowl standout um, at the senior bowl week practices. He really excelled in coverage, um, which was surprising to a lot of people, but not me. Um, when I looked at the film, especially the All-22 film, he's somebody that, you know, while he's not the biggest guy, as I mentioned, his measurables are around six feet, 200 pounds. He showed dynamic range, not only playing single high, but also in the box as well. He's one of those guys that see ball, get ball all the time, whether that's in the air or on the ground. Um, I love Richie Grant as a prospect. Um, and after the Senior Bowl, um, he actually shot up a lot of draft boards. So he may not be there at 51 um, based off the rate that he's going. Um, he, he, he was a Senior Bowl standout. Everybody left mobile talking about him. And then at the 76 pick, so that's the San Francisco 49ers pick that I mentioned before that we actually kept. Um, I would actually bring in Jabril Cox. He's a linebacker from the universe, from LSU. Um, he is 6'3", 235 pounds, so he's right around that, you know, prototypical th uh, size for an NFL thumper at the linebacker position. Because, you know, as you guys have been paying attention, the linebacker position in the NFL, these guys' statues have been dwindling and dwindling ever, ever since, you know, we've been looking for guys to match up with, you know, mobile quarterbacks and to be better in coverage. So he's right around that prototypical size for a thumper linebacker. Um, and Cox is actually a transfer from North Dakota State. Um, he was a grad transfer uh, at LSU. But he balled out in his um, in his past season at LSU. Um, he's a C and Chase linebacker, but he actually um, has shown a great ability and coverage as well. And I think that helps him because uh, he was a that helps from him being a uh, high school quarterback. So he was a quarterback in high school actually, and you can see some of those traits when he's reading. Um, quarterback's eyes, you know, um, playing down low in coverage on low holes and high holes and things like that. You can actually see his coverage instincts and, you know, he understands passing combinations and where's the ball is going to be and route combinations and things like that. So he's actually somebody that I think can help this defense out tremendously and almost make an instant impact as a third rounder. At pick 123, um, we're going to be bringing in Sage Sherratt. He's also from UCF, so we're bringing in two UCF guys. Sherratt is 6'2", 225 guys. And I think that Sage Sherratt, uh, while um, at UCF, he played a lot on the outside. He sat out this past season, the uh, 2020 season, due to the coronavirus pandemic. But in 2019, he played a lot on the outside. And I don't think he's the most dynamic athlete, but what he is great is, and is at um, contested catches. So I think he's somebody that can play that move position. Think about how we used Kelvin Harmon in his rookie year, you know, moving um, in motion behind the slot, um, creating mismatches where he can break off through the intermediate routes, creating that separation that he might not be able to generate on his own. So I like Sage Rock. He's a big body um, guy, so he's somebody that can work the middle of the field as a big slot or as an H-back, as I mentioned before. And he's somebody that just presents that positional versatility that I know Scott Turner yearns for. Um, so that's what I would do um, with pick 123. With pick 146, I would draft Anthony Schwartz. He's a wide receiver from Auburn. He is 6 feet, 180 pounds. So he's pretty slight of frame, but he's arguably the fastest player in college football this past um, this season. Um, if there was a combine, he was he was projected to be the fastest guy there. And a lot of scouts and a lot of experts are actually um, actually expecting him to run sub 4-3 at his um, combine or at his pro day at Auburn sometime in March. So, you know, he's pretty dynamic with the ball in his hands. While he didn't get a lot of touches because um, they had another dynamic receiver in Self Williams at Auburn, um, Anthony Schwartz is somebody who is dynamic. He's a, a firecracker with the ball in his hands. So let's move on to 
the seventh round um, with pick 241. Washington selects Cameron Bynum. Um, he's a six foot, uh, 200 pound corner from Cal, um, California. So what I what, what I've seen from Cameron Bynum through game film is that he's more of a boundary corner. Um, so he doesn't really have the positional versatility to move inside and play the slot or play the big nickel position. But while he does have good size, um, he does he is an uh, an elite athlete. He's more of a zone corner. Think of think of. Think of like Josh Norman when he was coming out of Coastal Carolina. And let's remember, Josh Norman was a fifth-round pick. So while he did make All-Pro under, you know, Ron Rivera, he does fit the profile of the cornerbacks that Rivera likes to bring in. Um, I can see uh, Bynum, um, even though he's a seventh-round pick, he's more in that, you know, Josh Norman, James Bradbury kind of mode, you know, not overly athletic guys, but are pretty much technique sound. They don't really have the positional versatility, um, even though Bradbury did play some in the slot this past season. Um, Norman never really played in a slot, um, so they don't really present the um, positional versatility due to their lack of athleticism, but their instincts, you know, um, their build and, you know, their understanding of the game allows them to make plays on the ball, and I think um, Bynum is one of those athletes or one of those type players as well. And lastly, with pick 243, so that's only two more picks after the Bynum pick, I would take a flyer on Tamori and Terry. He is a freak athlete. He's 6'4", 210 pounds from Florida State University. Um, and we've known that Florida State has had their fair share of troubles with their program in, you know, recent years. Um, to be to, to, to be nice, they, they've struggled. And Terry has, you know, struggled along with him. While he didn't produce, you know, dynamic on-the-field numbers, he did have a few, you know, eye-popping numbers. I remember this past season, he was recorded, you know, his recorded speed was over 23.4 miles. And that's like Tyreek Hill territory, guys. Like, that's pretty scary. And think about this guy being about 6'4", 210 pounds. So, with all that being said, with the draft, with our offseason, with our free agency, I think, you know, GM Jalen put us into a pretty good position and pretty much compete um with the big boys in the 2021 position now while we didn't break the bank on like a big name quarterback good organizations usually groom the guys that they bring in so we did break the bank as far as draft capital for bringing in trey lance and i think that that will ultimately pay off in the future if not in 2021 um later down the line but in the meantime in 2021 if trey lance doesn't you know strike gold in his first year you still have taylor heineke who i have a lot of faith in and i actually liked a lot of what i saw of kyle allen before before he got hurt. So we have a plethora of options um, at the quarterback position to carry um, our already strong defense. And then I gave you weapons such as Allen Robinson and the plethora of receivers that I gave you guys um, that we may draft in the draft. Um, so if you look, guys, I didn't really um, go too, too much into as far as, you know, depth signings. But, you know, there are, to be sure, um, you know, end of the roster, you know, position um, roster spots, 40 to 53 signings um, that I really didn't harp on too much. But these are more of the most immediate impact sign, um, signings that I would do, that I would do um, to bring in, uh, to help our team, to help make an immediate impact on our team, to help us, you know, contend for a championship. Because at this point, guys, if you're not competing for a Super Bowl, what are you in it for? And I believe that we have the talent to do it, especially if we bring these guys in. Um, so that's all for episode four. Uh, like
like if you haven't done it before i need you guys to i would like for you guys to subscribe to my youtube page um i would like for you guys to follow me on twitter to follow me on instagram as well i'll leave those tags on my youtube on my video for my youtube fam and i'll leave those tags um and uh i'll leave i'm sorry i'll leave those tags on my video for my youtube fam but i'll also um give you guys the spelling of the name for you guys that's just listening on the podcast so my twitter is at bleeding bng that's b-l-e-e-d-i-n-b-n-g and then my instagram is just a tad bit different it's at bleeding bng that's at b-l-e-e-d-i-n-g b-n-g so the twitter doesn't contain the first g and like I said, guys, we're giving you content on those pages every day. We're posting on those pages every day. So I would really appreciate you guys follow on those social pages. Um, subscribe to my YouTube. Subscribe to my Apple Podcast. Follow me on Spotify Podcast. We're available on all podcast platforms at this point. And we're posting um, weekly on YouTube as well. So I really appreciate you guys tuning tuning into episode five, episode four of the Bleeding B&G Podcast. Please be on the lookout for episode five. Thank you.